For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, and who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Welcome to episode 175. The Emmett Smith episode. Oh man, I used to love watching him play. 175 career touchdowns, both rushing and receiving for the former Dallas Cowboys star out of the University of Florida. I liked him and Barry Sanders growing up. Well, those were two good ones to follow. Yeah. All right, it's the Wednesday episode. We've got a special guest uh, down the row here for you a little bit. But first, we're going to cover what's going on today. Let's talk about National Signing Day. Big day for all of these college programs as they're getting recruits in. Uh, A lot of kids now graduate early. They graduate and show up in January at campuses so that they can try to make an impact in their freshman year. When did that start happening? Um, Within the last two or three years. Okay. Yeah, it's a a relatively new thing, but more and more kids are doing it, Um, especially, you know, when you're a football-centric person and you don't play other sports why not why not get a head start on your college career get some credits out of the way start making that adjustment to college life during the spring semester you get to go through a a session of spring practice you kind of get to ease into it as opposed to showing up in august and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the maelstrom so the irish when we look at notre dame and it's recruiting this year the numbers will be down. I think there's 17 or 18 players in this class that they're recruiting, but they're getting some high-quality players. And uh, the biggest name you'll hear bandied about today is a young man by the name of Chris Tyree, who for the last two years has been known as the fastest running back in the United States of America. And he'll be coming to Notre Dame, and anybody who followed the Irish this year and watched the running game realized the dearth of speed that there was in the backfield. Well, Tyree can come in and instantly change that. And I think he is the the one freshman in this recruiting class where you look and say he could be on the field right away. Hmm. Where's he from? Um, not, I can't remember right oh, off the top of my that. head where he's from. Okay. Um, that said, 
he's not the only big time recruit in this class. Uh, kid that I really like that they're getting is a tight end out of Kentucky by the name of Michael Mayer. Man, this kid looks the part. He is absolutely chiseled. He reminds me a little bit of Troy Nicholas when they brought him in from California. And uh, I think this is a guy that if Cole Komet goes to the NFL, and I know Cole Komet said he was coming back, but man, all signs kind of point to the fact that eh, maybe you should go because I think he could be a first-round pick. If Cole Komet goes to the NFL, I think this is a kid that could step in. He's not going to be Cole Komet as we knew him this year right away, but I think by his sophomore year, he could be really good. Okay. Tyree from Virginia. Okay. Then they've got a quarterback out of California by the name of Drew Pine, who was the first kid to commit to this class. So we'll see how how he fares. You know, the thing about quarterbacks, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. You never know exactly what you're walking into. The good news for Pine is if Ian Book comes back, and we expect that to happen for next year, mm-hmm. Pine gets a year to learn that and then maybe step in his sophomore year. Wow. And I, I wonder, Chuck, what that speech or that family room visit's like when it's like, okay, Notre Dame quarterback, here's what comes with that. Oh, yeah. You know? And maybe talking to one of the former quarterbacks and going, okay, what was that like? Well, those former quarterbacks are always accessible to their brethren and uh, not not afraid to share what their experience was like, not, not afraid to give advice. And you can go all the way back to... Well, the guy we'll have on the show today, Terry Hanratty. I'm, I'm sure if Drew Pine wanted to talk to Terry Hanratty, Terry would be more than happy to speak to him. Uh, any words since we are talking about Notre Dame about an offensive coordinator? Not yet. Uh, that probably isn't going to get sorted out until after the bowl game. Okay. Uh, for the bowl game, Lance Taylor, the running backs coach, and Tommy Reese, the quarterbacks coach, will split the uh, play-calling duties. Let's uh, keep in the state here. Talk about Indiana and Purdue. Well, both of them expecting to have really good classes. Obviously, the season that Indiana had this year and the Gator Bowl trip for IU has boosted their recruiting, and Tom Allen has tried to take a little bit more of a national profile. The problem you're always going to have if you're Indiana or Purdue is going up against the big dogs like the Ohio States, the Michigans, and the Penn States. And uh, most recruiting services will tell you that Ohio State has the five top recruits in the Big Ten. Well, little wonder why they win the conference every year. Uh, So IU and Purdue are taking steps up from where they've been. Are they on the national profile yet? No, not yet. And then you take a look at uh, some of the local kids who are committing today. You've got the uh, Elkhart Central duo of Mark Brownlee, who's going to Ball State, and Jonathan Decker, who's going to Central Michigan. Got Harrison Mevis, the kicker down at Warsaw. He is now headed to uh, the University of Missouri to play there. Um, Then there's Josh Preeb, the offensive and defensive lineman up at Edwardsburg. He's headed to Northwestern. And Garrett Jones from Berrien Springs. We haven't really talked about him much this year. But he's going to go to Kansas and play for Les Miles and be a Jayhawk. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You want to shift to basketball? Let's shift to basketball. Let's start with college basketball. Purdue getting back on the winning track last night. They handled Ohio University fairly handily. 
And now this kind of sets the stage, and, and we can talk about this more Friday, but the Crossroads Classic is the next thing for the four big schools in Indiana, Notre Dame, Indiana, Purdue, and Butler. They'll all head down to Indianapolis for a great afternoon of basketball that has become an annual holiday tradition. I've been twice. It's fun. Yeah. It, I, well, first of all, Indy gets rocking a little bit for the holidays anyway. Yes. They do They do it upright down there. And then this afternoon of basketball that brings these four very passionate fan bases together uh, is a great day. So Notre Dame will wind up playing IU and Purdue will play Butler, and that'll be the order they play in on Saturday. And we'll have both games on 103.1 FM, beginning with Notre Dame and IU at noon. But Purdue, the one thing that they did better last night, they had to play without Matt Harms, who was out with a concussion. I think Harms should be back for that Butler game. But they were able to go in and start hitting three-point shots, which is something that they didn't do very well in Lincoln last night. I see in your notes here, San Diego Christian uh, downs Grace 84-78. Boy, if I was a young pup back in the day, I'd go to San Diego Christian. You think so? <laughs> I bet you that's quite a view. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. Grace took a little California trip for the holidays and Good went out there. And uh, Bethel will be in action tonight. Um, trying to remember who they're playing, but I did see that the Steve Draben squad, still undefeated, is uh, playing tonight at the Camp Center. That's a 7 o'clock start. Your chance to see them one last time before the holidays. Governor's State University. High school basketball last night sat through a game over at the Panther Pit in Napanee. Aaron Wolf, the Northwood head coach, gets his 200th career win last night. With a 41-37 overtime win over Jimtown, the first loss of the year for the Jimmies, which I'll admit a bit surprising to me. I didn't expect Matt Schaus's team to get off to that kind of start this season. A lot of good players that I've had the opportunity to coach and uh, have great relationships with, and, and I know that we're building with these. Uh, you know, if I think about some of the people that have been there the whole time, you know, you're looking at my wife, my dad, my mom. Uh, but, you know, Phil Becklider's been, been with me all 13 years. Uh, and then Norm Sellers has been here all 13 years. But there's been just some uh, tremendous people that have had an opportunity uh, to be around. Jimtown has a lot of height. They have a 6'7 young man, a 6'5 young man, Preston Phillips at 6'7, Clay Campbell at 6'5. Wow. And so Northwood doesn't have a lot of height. Their tallest player is 6'3. Northwood did not get any three-point shots to drop. What they did do was hit free throws. Trent Edwards, their top scorer, went 9 of 9 on the foul line last night. After being only about a 55% free throw shooter for the year, goes 9 of 9 last night, scores 15 points, and Northwood pulls that one out 41-37. So the Panthers are 6-1 and one now, and we'll get to see them Friday night when they take on Plymouth on the 46th game of the week couple other results that got my attention last night. Goshen stayed unbeaten. Uh, they had to go to overtime at South Bend Clay and pulled that one out 70-59. to Came from behind down the stretch, which is something that they've shown a tendency to be able to do here in the early part of the season. So Michael Wolford's team is 5-0 and now. Adams is 5-0. and They easily handled their city rival Riley yesterday. Eagles continue to play terrific defense. 
And then Washington knocked off defending sectional champion Northridge last night over at the Great Western Forum. So that's a great win for Ryan Vargas' team. Really solid week coming up here for Washington. They played Northridge last night. They play Penn tomorrow night. And then they play Chesterton on Saturday. All three of those teams won sectionals last year. So that's a, a great challenge for Ryan Varga and his squad at Washington. Do you feel like you're missing out not being able to dip into Michigan since we're so close, or you're just like, hey, I'm one guy, I can't do everything? Oh, I'm one guy, I can't do everything, but I can tell you that up in Edwardsburg last night, uh, they had quite the game. They went to overtime and beat Paw Paw. Paw Paw had a young man, uh, last name is Finley, who scored 38 points in that game. Uh, so that was quite the game up in Edwardsburg, but the Eddies win. Brandywine stays unbeaten with its win over Kalamazoo Hackett, the Fighting Irish, by the way. Uh, Lakeshore is still unbeaten. They got a nice win yesterday, so Sean Schroeder's team is 3-0 and on the year. And then Benton Harbor continues to roll as well. So it's the usual suspects up in Michigan right now. No big surprises up there so far, but we shall see. The season is very early. Kessopolis finally played its first game last night, and they came away with a victory as well. Girls basketball, Chuck Freebie. The interesting girls game last night, and it wasn't interesting by the final score, but apparently great defense played last night in the Lions Den at Bremen. Adam Yoder's black swish of Northwood come away with a 30-22 victory. Also big performance individually last night by Penn's Trinity Clinton. She scores 30 points as Christy Kaneski's team mauls Northridge 66-34. I posted this earlier in the week. I think sometimes people don't appreciate the job that Christy Kaneski Alrich has done over at Penn in the girls' basketball program. She's been the coach there now for 11 seasons. Her winning percentage is 892. The next active coach who is closest in winning percentage is Chris Giffen at Lawrence North. Chris Giffen could win 90 consecutive games. If Christy Kineski Ulrich called it a career right now, Chris Giffen could win 90 consecutive games and still not catch her in terms of winning percentage. Wow. Wow. That's how dominant a program she has put together over at Penn right now. Interesting game tonight in girls basketball. Elkhart Central and Elkhart Memorial play that rivalry for the last time over at Northside Gym in girls basketball, barring a sectional matchup. Will Cody's Blue Blazers, Elkhart Central, been playing pretty well this year. They're 6-3, and three, and they're scoring the ball. They're, they're averaging 61 points a game. To put that in perspective, Corey, in his first three years when he took over the program, and when he took over the program, it was rock bottom. His first three years, he never had a team score 61 in a single game. And now they're averaging 61 points a game. So he has really helped build the girls' basketball program over in Elkhart. Lakers 14-game winning streak, done. The Pacers get a nice win last night at Banker's Life. They are playing pretty good basketball right now. DeMontis Sabonis, 26 points, 10 rebounds last night. And the Pacers come away with a three-point victory, 105-102 over LeBron and the Lakers. So... Both the hottest teams in the East and the West have lost in the last two days. Milwaukee had its 18-game win streak come to an end at Dallas, 
The Lakers have their 14-game streak come to an end in Indianapolis. Let's take a timeout and come back with a special guest. What do you say? Let's do it. The Sports Yak Podcast is powered by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets. Also by Pyramid Equipment. Be prepared this winter season by checking the condition of your snow removal equipment. Pyramid Equipment is a locally owned business in Rolling Prairie, Indiana that sells, services, and installs residential and commercial grade snow plows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid Equipment is your trusted dealer of Meyer and Snow Dog products. Old man winners ready. Are you? Service discount for military, fire, and police available. Call 800-833-2591 or find them on the web at PyramidEquipmentInc.com. Follow the Sports Yak on social media. Sports Yak with two Ks on Twitter and Instagram. We're pleased to be joined on the Yak today by one of the greats of Notre Dame football, Terry Hanratty, quarterback for the 1966 National Champion Team. Went on to get a couple of rings for the Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Terry joining us from his home. Good morning. How are you, Terry? Corey, Chuck, nice talking to you guys. Nice and early here on a cold winter day we have here. You take a look at this Notre Dame football program under Brian Kelly right now, Terry. Your thoughts about the the way the Irish have played the last couple of years? Well, I think the biggest factor that you know that, that every team has to build is depth. And I think that uh, we have done that. Uh, I think over the years, you know, we sort of had we signed good players, but just not enough of them. And you know, those those guys on the back end of the signing day that are three stars, you got to make sure you hit those guys correctly, and so they can produce in the next next couple years. So I think they have built the depth they need now. Now they just have to have, I think, a, a, a different kind of approach to the attack. Today is National Signing Day, and, and they're getting a lot of people in, and Brian Kelly is really putting emphasis on speed with this class. Do you see that need for speed? Oh, you definitely have to have the speed. See, the, the, the thing is, people try to make this, and this is everybody. People, I, I was very fortunate in my football career where my high school, college, and pro coaches are all in the Hall of Fame. And I was lucky enough to be with guys who know the game as well as anybody has ever known it and I was a great student of the game so I think I pretty much know you know what's going on and what you have to do there's two phases in this game and people totally make this mistake all the time at every level where you have to start with the offensive line defensive line you pick which side you'd like to start with and build your strength from there but the, the, if you pick the defense, you've got to go offensive line next and vice versa. And then you expand from there. There's no need to have a great quarterback if you can't protect him. True. There's no need to have a great running back if you can't up, open up a hole. Unless you have Jim Brown, and they've only made one Jim <laughs> Brown. You know, so you, you, you have to really do it the right way. And people, I see it every time I see it, especially in the NFL, because you really notice who they draft because they make a big deal out of it so much. And they all of a sudden they're going to go for this quarter. I said, who's going to who's going to protect them? You know, you're better off trading down and getting yourself a couple good offensive linemen and get a quarterback who's maybe not as good as this guy, but you can protect him and he'll be that good. Terry Hanratty is our guest. Terry, uh, since Chuck said it was National Signing Day, I'd love uh, for us to dust off the cobwebs and talk about your recruiting experience. I'm sure it's changed. 
in 2019 from when you were recruited, but I'd love to hear what your experience was like. Well, I couldn't buy any of those. I couldn't afford to buy any of those hats they have on those tables when they, you know, pick pick the hat up. I had them when my son was being recruited. I had so many coaches say, "Terry, we don't. We'd love to have Connor, but when it comes to that time, don't put our hat out there. They don't. They don't want that. That's sort of an embarrassment to the team who doesn't get selected. Right. But you know, mine was just. You know, I was scheduled pretty much not scheduled, but I was really, really strongly leading towards Michigan State. You know, up there, and I, you know, met Duffy. Duffy's a great guy, and they all look, you know, everything really seemed to fit really well. And uh, then I get a call from John Ray, who was a recruiter for the Western Pennsylvania, and he called me and said, "Listen, Coach Varsega is going to be at Pittsburgh, and I lived in Butler, Pennsylvania, which is 30 miles north of Pittsburgh." And he said, "He's going to be at Pittsburgh." Can you meet him at the Hilton Hotel? He wants to have lunch with you. And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So I went down, and you know, we meet, and we're sitting in, in, the, in the coffee shop there, and they bring the menu over. And I remember looking at the menu like it was yesterday, and there was a steak sandwich for $4.50. And I'm looking at my thinking, if I get that, will he think I'm trying to gouge him? I went for the club sandwich for a buck seventy-five, <laughs> but I got I got the French fries, so maybe that equaled out. But I I spent a good hour, hour and a half with Era, and it was just magic. I went home. I told my mother. I said, "Mom, I'm going to Notre Dame." She said, "Oh, I thought you were going to go to Michigan State." I said, "No." I said, "I just met Era Parsegian, and I want to spend the next four years with this man. He just he just has that kind of charisma." And that was it. That was basically the recruit. I told him, I told him there. Okay, I'm coming. You know, game over. It wasn't uh, all the hats and all the television and all the whatnots. What did he say to you, Terry? What do you? What were the words that really put you over the edge? The education that I would have a chance to compete. He wasn't. He didn't promise me. Everybody promised me everything. I mean, it was all these schools that were offered money, houses, furniture, cars. Uh, I mean, it was bizarre. I mean, they talk about today when they catch a kid, you know, you know, grabbing a T-shirt here or there, or whatever. I mean, back then was the Wild West, and then there was only two people in Shawnee, Kansas, who were considered to be the NCAA, you know, rules committee. And Era didn't offer me. I'm waiting. I'm okay. I'm see so and so offered me this. So I'm wondering what Notre Dame's going to offer. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And it was, he offered me an opportunity to compete, and that's the most honest thing I could ever think about of anybody. And I said, and I didn't, we didn't have a dime, believe me, when I grew up. So the the, the, the thought of taking the money back then, you know. Could have been really strong. I was seventeen years old. Sure, you know. So you know, you were you were highly swayed by these people that were offering these rolls of money, these cars, these houses. You know, come on. But obviously, I did the right thing, and I spent four years with you know the the second greatest male figure in my life, next to my father. Terry, one of my favorite stories is. Uh, I believe you started the 66 season with a big win over Purdue, and you Correct. wind up on the cover of national magazines. And how Era handled you that week after is one of my favorite stories, if you wouldn't mind retelling that. No, it was Time magazine. Okay. Wow. On the cover on the cover of Time. We were on Jimmy and I were on the cover well, I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated also, but Jim and I were on the cover of Time. Notre Dame did not you know, obviously Time just didn't pull this on the you know, after the after the game they wanted to put us on the cover of Time magazine. And Era said, No, 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 we don't want the you know, they're, they're these kids. We have guys like Pete Duranko, Jim Lynch, Nick Eddy, and he went down the line and, and mentioned all these great guys. Like I said earlier, if I didn't have them to protect me, we would have never won that national championship. 
time, if you look at the time cover, it's not a picture. Notre Dame did not want that. So they did it, went out on their own, got a, a drawing of Jim and I, and put it on the cover. So they can get around, you know, doing anything against Notre Dame. So he was totally against that. And, you know, after the Purdue game, you know, the, 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 I think what you're referring to is that, you know, Jim and I were feeling pretty good. You know, we had three touchdown passes. We threw for 300 yards. Uh, no interceptions. We, you know, national TV. We beat Bob Greasy in a great Purdue, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so we come into Sunday night, and uh, you know, that's when you view the film. Then you start on next week's opponent after after the training table. And uh, so, you know, we, our, our chests were a little puffed out. You know, we just as they turned out the lights, you know, Jim and I were sort of sitting there going, ha, ha, well, this is going to be fun to watch. And then for the next good hour and a half, Era, Tom Pagna were yelling at him. What? Look at hand ready. Look at that footwork. That is awful. Look at that. You should have thrown the ball over there. You should have done. Well, we walked out of that session thinking we played the worst game in the world. <laughs> then it just dawned on you that, hey, the only question marks we had on that team were the quarterback and the wide receiver. The other players were great. So if we can keep these guys in line, and they made sure they did, we have a shot to do something great here, and we did. As a team. Go on to win the national championship. You know, I was looking at your stats this morning, Terry. 1968, you led the nation in completion percentage at 59%. Such Such a different game now because these days, if a quarterback throws for 59% in college football, they ask, What's wrong with this kid? Well, you got to look there, and then I get a kick out of it now because I, I, when I look at quarterbacks, I look at average per catch, six point two yards. Yeah, you know we did. You know ours are. I think mine was close to fifteen yards per completion. You know we didn't throw those bubble screens they do now. We didn't throw those quick screens. You know we threw the ball back in the day. Not just Notre Dame. Everybody that was that was uh, you know those quick screens didn't come in until I was in the pros. You know after that. You know, if you if you completed more than fifty percent of your passes back in the day, you know you you were doing pretty damn good. Yeah, you were because you were throwing the ball downfield. You know, Jim and I we we had an eighty yard uh, touchdown pass. We had like a forty yard, you know, thirty yard. You know, they were big big throws. But nowadays, you know, it's all completion percentage. That's all they want to do. But back then, we sort of thought, you know, isn't it better to score? You know, it's not how many how, how many passes you complete, but it's how many points you put on the board. Exactly. Terry, you go to play in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and if I did my homework right, is it the very next year they go out and get this young kid named Bradshaw as a quarterback? I never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you know that they were going to recruit him, or did you see him one day walk on the practice field? How did that uh, play out? No, that was, you know, we had such a great year that year. We, were, we, we opened up, uh, we beat Detroit, then uh, we lost 13 straight games. I mean, we ended up, you know, season one and thirteen, and I was, uh, you know, back then again, you know, the, the the draft was not a big deal. You know, no one, no bizarre stuff. There was no ESPN. There was no, you know, uh, Facebook, Google, whatever you want to do. You know, none of that stuff. So I was, you know, back then. You also, if you didn't get into the regular army, I mean, if you didn't get into the National Guard, you were in the regular army. So I was in the National Guard in Pittsburgh, and I was after the one and thirteen beating I took. But uh, two weeks later, I had to go to basic training in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And uh, I got a call down there when we had a break, and it was Chuck Noll. And you know, I said, listen, we just drafted Terry, and uh, you know, this is no reflection on, on how you played last year. We just want to make this a competitive situation. 
you know, and it was. We you know we split time for the first couple of years. Then he you know he won the job and went on on from there. One of your uh, former Notre Dame and Steeler teammates is getting a lot of pub these days. Rocky Blyer uh, getting an award from the NCAA fifty years after he's done playing for his inspiration to others. Do you stay much in contact with Rocky, and and did he inspire you at all during your career? Well, you know, Rock was our captain. He was a senior when I was a junior, a year ahead of me. And, you know, he was six, you know, back then they had in the draft was 16 rounds. You know, there was, you know, nowadays, well, I think there's seven, then they, you know, then they scramble to sign all these free agents. But back then, you know, they, they took this thing on and on forever, this draft. So Rock was a 16th round pick. No one expected him to make the Steelers mm-hmm. you know, at that late pick. Because, Rock, if you look at Rocky, look at his stats, Rock, is, he doesn't run a 4-3. You know he's he's five foot uh, you know and change five foot ten, maybe it just doesn't it just doesn't appear that he's going to be that kind of player. But he, I I liken him to a, a mini Paul Horning because Paul I, I still say to this day is the greatest football player ever. Football football player not running back not receiver. You know Jim Brown's the greatest running back of all time. Paul did everything. He blocked. He caught. He threw. He kicked. He played. He could play defense if you wanted him to. I mean, he was. He did everything. I and mean, even Vince Lombardi said that. And Rock did the same thing. He could block. He could catch. He's not going to burn you with those eighty-yard runs, but he's going to get that first down. He's going to get that extra yard. He's going to make that great catch in the clutch. And uh, and it was too late. By the time they realized he made the team, he got drafted. And I'll never forget. We were sitting in the, my rookie year. Rockies in Vietnam, and uh, we're sitting in a meeting room before practice up in uh, St. Vincent's College, you know, preseason. And Chuck Noll walks into the room. He said, I just want to let you guys know that one of our you know, former Pittsburgh Steeler just got shot in Vietnam. Why? Well, you know, you, you could hear a pin drop. And obviously, it was Rocky. And when he came back from Vietnam, he stayed with my family and I for a while, and we'd work out together. I'd say to Rock, I, I, believe me, he couldn't take three steps strides without a horrible looking limp mm. and i said rock why are you doing this to yourself i said you know you're, you're killing yourself mr rooney had already told rock that he would give him you know pay for any law school he wants to go to it's on me and rock no 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 i want i gotta do this i gotta do this gotta do this i said oh you're killing I, this is crazy you know we went on day after day and finally you know the story you know the chuck brought him back you know, for the first year, he just sort of a little bit of special teams. Then he worked his way back. And I'll tell you what, people don't realize what a great, I mean, they see the story, they see the movie, you can, you, you can read the book, but they don't realize, I saw it firsthand how much he really had to come back. And it's an incredible story. Nobody had a front row seat to that quite like you did. And, and a front row seat to some great moments. What was your favorite moment as a Steeler? I think after the first, just the Rooney's. I was fortunate where at 17 I made a great decision to go to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And it's such a family atmosphere. Then I didn't have any decision in what my next step was because I was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was a great family atmosphere with the Rooney's. And it still is to this day. But, you know, Art Rooney Sr., who bought the club and started the club and all that stuff, you know, he was just a great human being. And you couldn't, after a game, he came in the locker room after every game, and you didn't, you couldn't tell by his expression whether we won, lost, or tied. 
he had, he'd go just walk around the locker room and say, good game, guys, good game. You tried your best. You tried your best. Good game. Good. And he, just a great human being. And, you know, they picked this coach who no one really knew about, Chuck Knoll. You know, he was assistant under Don Shula at Baltimore. And uh, Chuck had a plan. Chuck was brilliant. And he had a plan. And it's going to take a couple years. And the Steelers, like, like no other franchise, stuck with him. They've had three coaches since 1969. It's incredible. In any sport, it's incredible. Absolutely. But, you know, Chuck, you know, we were 1-13. You know, just a, just a god-awful football team. Believe me, I was there. <laughs> I, I caught every bruise on that one. And then we go 5-9. and nine. Then we go 9-5 and five and make the playoffs, get an early exit. You know, Miami, the, the, the perfect record, beat us in the playoffs. You know, then... On and on. The moment you, you spoke about, I'm sort of th- going around the way to sort of set the pace was to see Art Rooney Sr. up on the dais after the first Super Bowl win. And here was this proud old Irishman, you know, just standing up there and just, you, know, you, you just gleamed. That was really wonderful to see. Let's fast forward and talk about uh, Terry Hanratty heading into 2019. How's life? What's going on? Uh, I have reinvented myself. I worked 30 years on Wall Street, and that turned out very well. And over a year ago, I had an opportunity through the NFL retired players. We had a, they had the North University of North Carolina Medical Center. They could go down there, free charge. They did everything. It was wonderful. You had a two two day physical. You were going to see about eight doctors, and they tell you the good, bad, or indifferent. Well, in the form, is there anything that we haven't covered? And I said, well, I'd like to have my ears checked because I, was having, I had some couple blasts in my ear and it was sort of ringing and whatnot, and it wouldn't go away. And, uh, you know, we went through about, it took about 20 minutes to check the hearing, and I'm sitting in the room waiting for him to come in. And he comes in, and he's a big sports fan, really a great doctor, and he says to me, Terry, you need hearing aids. I go, no way, pal, not me. At the time, I was 70 years old. I said, I'm only 70 years old. There's no way in hell I need, I need hearing aids. I have visions of Grandpa sitting in the corner with these big growths on his ear right. and shutting him off so he doesn't listen to Grandma. And if you have your hearing is going down and you don't want to go to a movie theater because you can't hear the movie, you don't want to go to a restaurant because you can't hear the conversation, you don't want to you know, have people over to your house because you can't hear, you know, participate in the conversation, you start withdrawing from society. That's what really, really brought me out right there. toughest thing we have to do is to get people in to check their ears. Mm-hmm. Most people go to their doctor and they stick the thing in their ears. Oh yeah, you hear your uh, eardrum is fine. You know, no bleeding. Blah 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 blah. But they don't check your hearing. You have to go to an audiologist to get your hearing checked. And I talk to a lot of people. A lot of people, and they say, hey, yeah, it's all right, man. Whatever, you know. You know, nothing really hit me in the face until I got introduced to a company called Signia, S-I-G-N-I-A. And they have such a passion to rid people of these ear problems. I have a passion where I want to get this out to people. So it was a perfect marriage. And so I went in and I got fitted with their hearing aids, which are the Charge and Go X. I put them on and I wore them for three or four days and I called the audiologist back and I said, Nancy, I said, this is it because what I'm doing now, now with these, with these uh, Charge and Go uh, hearing aids, I can actually hear every syllable and the clarity, and it's just, you know, just a, a, change, a life changer. I mean, you really have to get these ears checked, especially people like Corey and Chuck. You guys have these 
things on your ears all the time. All the time. you're listening to it, you should go get it. And it's not anymore an age deal. Because it used to be, no one, you know, we didn't have, when I grew up, we didn't have the, you know, the young guys putting your ears to hear the music and to hear the talk on the telephone or whatnot. Well, you know, I've had friends that are in the media that I told them they got their hearing checked. So you guys, you guys better get over to your audiologist there in South Bend and get your ears checked. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the passion that I have now. I'm doing a lot of PR work for this Signia, and they are great people. It's, uh, it's something that has to get out there, and that's my, that's my new passion in life. Well, Terry, we appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us and reminisce a little bit about the, your career in Notre Dame and the Steelers, and we wish you nothing but the best and a Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys, and uh, let's hope the Irish do well in the bowl game and on and on, and uh, go Irish, and uh, tell everybody hello in South Bend area for me. Well, we appreciate Terry Hanratty taking some time to join us on the phone this morning. It's always great to reminisce with some of these old players, and the fact that he has experiences not only at Notre Dame, but from the NFL, I thought made him a good guest. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for making time. Awesome. Well, we're getting close to Christmas, Chuck Freeby. We are. Are we going to do a Friday episode? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'll I'll be here. You'll be here? Yeah. All right. If you're going to be here, I'll be here. Okay. And then we'll... We'll take a holiday break. We will take a two-week holiday break after that. Mm-hmm. I'd probably tell you the email, but you don't email us. So, thesportsyak2ks at gmail.com. You can always email us. I, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to one of our listeners. Actually, I know that I believe this whole officiating crew at Napanee last night are all maniacs. Yeah? Uh, but you may remember John Hampton. I do remember Jonathan. Uh, episode 58, I believe, he got a shout-out. And uh, John Hampton was working the game last night and in the first half turned to give a technical to the Jimtown bench. And the Jimtown bench looked at him like none of us said anything. And the fan behind him said, they didn't say it, I did. So John Hampton decided to pull the technical and not give the technical foul. So at halftime, uh, his partner, one of his partners, Jimmy Arnett, was over by the scores table, and I showed Jimmy a little bit of a note, and I said, is John changing his name to Hampon? In other words, no T. <laughs> well, John got his T back in the second half. He teed up one of the Jimtown players for taunting. Oh, boy. A little tip of the cap to John. Is it Hampton or Hampon? I'm not sure if a T should be in there or not. <laughs> Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Emmett Smith. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freeby and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Susan. Executive producer is Danae Hughes in partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak Archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Everybody get out of here. There's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.